Welcome to the Accredited Canadians Toolkit, your source for what's new for accredited investors. I'm your host, Sam Perrin. Today, I'll be answering a question from Heidi, who asks, Can I have some advice for how to rent out a basement for my in-law's home? We bought a second house in town here, and we are renovating it to turn into a rental. We have a legal suite downstairs, and the plan is to try and to get my husband's parents to move into the upstairs. My dad rightfully suggested I get in touch with you to see what best advice you might have on becoming a landlord and preparing to rent out the basement suite. We're probably going to rent out the upstairs for six months-ish before his parents get out here from eastern Canada. Thanks, Heidi. Now, I'm not a financial advisor or a licensed realtor or a financial planner or a lawyer or an accountant, so I can't give out advice to anyone. I do have opinions and ideas that I've developed with experience, and I'm happy to share those. After chatting with Heidi for about half an hour, I learned that her in-laws are on very fixed incomes. So the plan was to purchase this rental property, rent out the upstairs for whatever the in-laws can afford, and then rent the basement out to a tenant who will pay the mortgage. The hope is that the house will break even or even be in a slight cash flow positive situation, which is possible because in her market, the basement suite could rent out for close to $2,000. Now, this is not the ideal real estate investment because rent is discounted in the upstairs unit from the get-go. But this scenario fulfills the personal goal of caring for aging parents who are ill-prepared for retirement without the inevitable conflict that will arise from sharing a living space or the full financial burden of paying outright for their housing costs. In all, without exploring every other possible alternative, I think it's a prudent move by Heidi and her husband because they're able to meet the goal of helping his parents with a place to live in a closer proximity to where they are and at the same time get into direct real estate investing and take advantage of all the benefits of owning rental property. This scenario brings to mind the question, should healthy and wealthy people look after their less wealthy and less healthy family members? The situation reminds me of a fable of the grasshopper and the ant. You know the one where the grasshopper lounges all summer while the ant builds up stores for the winter only to beg the ant to share its stores when the bad weather finally hits? I think the grasshopper in the fable is left to freeze and starve, and although most of us wouldn't do that to our parents, it feels inherently unfair to the ant to share limited resources with the grasshopper who didn't prepare adequately for the future. If the familial relationship is important to you, and presumably it is since you're considering providing financially for someone else, it's important to resolve yourself to this situation as the ant that you need to set aside feelings of resentment if things don't work out the way that you envision. For some people, it's not going to be possible to do this, and especially in some cases where the expectation for you to pay for their lifestyle of others becomes abusive. You know, giving money to someone who wastes it to the point where you're unable to provide for your own family or to effectively plan for your own retirement, it's unhealthy. And the expectation or pressure to do so is a form of emotional abuse. Like in all cases of abuse, sadly, the only situation might be to end the relationship. But for the purposes of answering Heidi's question here, I'll put aside the broader question of should this kind of help be provided at all and focus on instead how to mitigate the downside risk of proceeding with this plan. So step number one, always treat your real estate investing like a business. The underlying principle to remember and guide you through every decision that you make with your tenant is that you need to treat this as a business. So it's prudent to get into business only if someone is credit worthy you don't want a tenant spending more than 40% of their income on housing or else you'll run into problems collecting the rent money. You want to get into business with someone who respects the rule of law and will abide by the conditions of a contract. 
You want to be involved with someone who is gainfully employed or otherwise has reliable income. And you want to be involved with someone who has a history of positive interactions with other human beings, someone who's easy to get along with. That's why work references and character references are so important when screening. There's a lot of people who will apply for your place who don't meet these criteria. It's not the responsibility, nor is it within the means of private landlords to solve social problems. That's why we pay a high marginal tax rate in this country. This is not social housing. This is your investment. So it's your responsibility as a housing provider to provide a safe place to live. But you, in exchange for that, you have the right to receive fair payment on time and in full each and every month. So it's important to treat this like a business and not allow other people's sad stories to derail you from your business objectives. Step number two, you need to protect your investments. So you got to think you saved for years and now you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars invested into a rental home. Since by renting that home, you're extending credit to someone who has very little at stake, you need to ensure that your underwriting of that person is at least as stringent as the underwriting of your mortgage lender on you. Also, you need to ensure that you have adequate reserves. Having three to six months of expenses on hand in cash at all times is critical if things go wrong. Step number three, there is strength in numbers. Make sure you ask for help. Join local and provincial landlord groups. Social media makes this easier than ever, and you don't have to look very far to find support and information from others in the same business as you and even in your own hometown. Seek out professionals and advocates in your industry. One I can't recommend enough is Al Kemp in British Columbia. He, like me, is a former police officer and he provides advocacy and information very useful for landlords in BC. You can find him at helpforlandlords.ca. His monthly subscription costs are minimal and the information learned here can help avoid costly mistakes at a fraction of the cost of legal advice. All of this can seem overwhelming as a new landlord and especially so to those who are considering renting part of the space where a family is going to occupy it. Ironically, you'll find yourself breaking some of the rules that I mentioned above when renting to family members. If your family member was credit worthy or had reliable income, you wouldn't be put in this situation in the first place. When one of the occupants of the home you are renting is a family member, it blurs the lines between business considerations and the personal preferences of that family member. Their personal preferences for noise, use of space, pets, cooking smells, these are all luxuries that they can ill afford, but you can be sure that you will be mediating any disputes that arise between your parents and the tenants that you choose to have them live with. But I just went through a similar situation myself when finding basement tenants for my parents, and it seems to be working out so far. It did take a lot longer to find the right tenant who would be the right fit for them, but it did happen. My number one advice is to be patient, do a lot of research, and only walk into a situ situation like this after doing a ton of research and being prepared for the downside. Be prepared if you're going to do business with family to walk away from any money that you lose with no hard feelings or you'd be at the risk of losing the relationship. So I'll close with a quote about tenants I like to bear in mind when I'm going through all the pain and difficulty of landlording, which every landlord and hands-on investor who are dealing with other human beings will experience. The quote is, your tenant is a partner in the business who will open up shop each morning and lock it up at night. They will look after security and inform you of potential problems in the business. They will cut the grass, rake the leaves, shovel the snow, and pay all the utilities. They even pay 
all of your mortgage payments and taxes. And then in the end, they will relinquish all monetary interest in the business and walk away leaving you with the profits. So that's the way it's supposed to work. And if you do it right, that is the way that it works. So thanks Heidi for a great question. If you have a question of broad interest you'd like answered on the ACT podcast, please email question at actpodcast.website. That's question at actpodcast.website. Have a great rest of your day. Talk to you again tomorrow.